What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Thursdays here. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. It's a new title sponsor for you. We thank Currency for their support of Hail Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson joining you for this Thursday edition. Schmitty still feeling a little bit under the weather. And, and I saw... I saw the comments and people were tweeting at me yesterday. I saw comments on the Hail Varsity YouTube page saying, wow, Schmidt must have had a lot of fun in Ireland. Huh? Yeah. He's under the weather. This is not the brown bottle flu. That's not what we're talking here. This is actually under the weather. Cannot speak very well. I believe he has been asleep most of the day. So uh, we are wishing Schmidt well. And it uh, sounds like he should be joining us from home tomorrow it's tentative plans but uh, for now again it is elijah herbal and will wilson taking you through this thursday edition find us follow us on twitter at herbal essences for me elijah herbal and also at willie on the radio for will you can also find the show at h varsity radio uh, we're going to be putting up show lineups every single day on the H Varsity Radio Twitter page and uh, also some of the best bits from the show every single day. That's a good follow for you. If you're going to follow anyone, don't follow me. Don't follow Will. We don't care. At H Varsity Radio is your place if you're a fan of Hail Varsity Radio. Got a fun show planned today as uh, we're pretty loaded up. Uh, a little bit later here in hour one, about 15 minutes away, we're going to hear from managing editor of Hail Varsity Magazine. That's Brandon Vogel joining us here. Also author of Dream Like a Champion. And Brandon's going to be bringing the goods as always here at 425. I will also have... Coming up next hour, as uh, usual on Thursday, Gary Barnett, coach of Northwestern and Colorado. As uh, We're going to try to get Gary's thoughts on what he saw last weekend and, and how he, with his head coaching experience, would uh, respond with uh, a team bouncing back off a disappointing week one loss uh, going into a couple of games, which you're favored in you should be winning uh, so we'll get gary's take on that and then at 525 i do know our omaha listeners up on 590 you're going to have husker volleyball coverage beginning at 530 uh, but before that the omaha listeners are going to get five minutes of uh, jeremiah searles listeners across the state and in podcast form you're lucky enough to hear all of searles as we're going to get all things offensive line knocked out with Jeremiah Searles, what went down last weekend, what he saw, and uh, what fixes can be made to that offensive line to get things moving a little bit better against North Dakota and against Georgia Southern uh, before Oklahoma comes to town. So Searles, uh, really looking forward to talking to him at 525. And 
For those of you who have been listening for a while now, usually we'll get Burke's Best Bets on a Thursday uh, edition at 5.40, but Danny is uh, stuck in a meeting this afternoon at 5, so uh, we're not going to be able to talk with Danny as uh, he's based out of Chicago and uh, Bears season getting going soon. They have a work meeting about uh, some changes that they're going to be doing uh, with their betting coverage of the Bears and I guess the Cubs and the White Sox too as they cover all things Chicago. Uh, So Danny, unable to uh, join us today. I was a little bit disappointed I wanted to talk uh, some of these exciting week one games as I know tonight we have Purdue and Penn State that's a fun one Penn State a three and a half point favorite and then really all weekend uh, Notre Dame a 17 and a half point underdog to Ohio State that's an interesting one if, you, if you're looking at playing some action down well what about tonight you got the backyard brawl I, I am really excited for the backyard brawl that's Pitt in West Virginia yeah correct? and you know what it may not be a good game but there is it me or Elijah I mean to name a rivalry the backyard brawl I mean, it's so badass. It's awesome. I love it. Well, did you see uh, that video from uh, Pitt quarterback uh, Keaton Slovis? I did. From last night? Stirred it up. Uh, They had a pep rally, and he closed it out by getting up there and said, one last thing, F. He didn't say F. Yeah. He he said something else. You all know what I mean. F West Virginia. Now, that's ballsy. That takes some guts, because get up and say in that, what if you lose tonight? That's a bad look on yourself. He must be confident that they're going to win. If uh, if they do lose tonight, I am going to tune in for that West Virginia postgame press conference, dude. That's what <laughs> I'm going to be looking up. What's going on down there? That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but where I want to start this show off, actually, let's start off one other place because there is something I want to get knocked out here. I don't want to hit too long on Urban Meyer. I spent a lot of time talking Urban Meyer yesterday, just how ludicrous that idea is. First off, that it's even being thrown out there and be just the thought that Urban Meyer would, would have an interest in coming to Nebraska. And people out there saying, well, Nebraska is nothing to, to, to sleep on. And sure, there could be conversations coming down the road. There's, I, I don't believe that there's any way that those conversations have happened just yet. And I'm going to use some evidence here to back this up. The, the, the idea that, it's, that that's even happening is a little bit crazy because Trev Alberts is going to cross that bridge when he gets there. Yeah, he ain't doing it right now. Scott Frost is his head coach right now, and if you, if you go ask Vegas, the odds right now of how many games Scott Frost is going to coach for Nebraska this season is set. Uh, the line is set at eight and a half games. And, eight and a half, okay. and and the, the favorite is over eight and a half games. I believe it's a little over minus one fifty right now okay, for, that, for, that for all our betters out there. That makes the, sense. The odds are that there's going to be more than eight and a half games coached by Scott Frost this season. So you're not making contingency plans for a coach you're going to name after the season right now. No, yeah. it's a, We just got done with the first game. It's a little early. It's very early. And the fact that... Especially when you look at this schedule moving forward, Nebraska realistically in the next two weeks should get two wins. If you don't, okay. If yeah. one of these next two games lost, that's when you start looking at your contingency plans and that's where you start looking at who's next after Frost. But yeah. two and one is not... I mean, it's very reasonable. It is. For these next two weeks. So you're going to be 2-1. and one. Oklahoma comes to town. If you drop that game, I still don't think you drop Frost as your head coach because that buyout drops two weeks later. Yep, right. Yeah, you're trying to save some cash. You don't want to jump the gun. 3-2 and two after Indiana. There are some questions. I still don't think with a winning record, a bowl game still in question, you let the head coach go. Yeah, yeah but if you lose to Indiana, then, you know, the sky's followed then. So. It, but if you beat Indiana 3-2, and two, I at least think you, you let your coach make it through the month of October. Yeah, I can get down with that. I can get that. I'm with you, man. I think it's bizarre, and who even knows where Dan Patrick is getting his sources? He's mm-hmm. he's had some crazy reports the past few years that did not become well, true at he, all. He has done his job 
And uh, his job with uh, doing that was stirring up Nebraska fans. He's done that. Yep. You look on Twitter, Husker fans are down bad for Urban Meyer. They're going, oh, well, he's going to bring in wins to Nebraska. And I don't doubt that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Urban Meyer would not be a, a good hire for Nebraska in terms of getting wins. But we all know the baggage that Urban Meyer comes with. And we also know that Urban Meyer, when things aren't going his way at a program, suddenly has health concerns. <laughs> suddenly has health concerns and is suddenly passing the torch to somebody else. Yeah. And I don't think Trev Alberts is looking for a coach that's going to be here three years, regardless of how many wins and losses he gets on the ledger. Yeah, well, I don't think that's what Trev Alberts is looking for. And I don't want to spend too long on this, Will. So let's get one last thought in. Let's get to it. some actual talking points for today. I just really want to lay this to rest. Yeah, I, I do too. But also, I just think it's funny how, you know, the same people who did not want Bo, who are happy that he got fired, you know, for the, and today, you know, you, you, you bring that up to some people. And they're like, well, yeah, he, he didn't work out because of how, the, you know, the type of guy he was. I mean, those are probably the same people who want Urban to come here, you know, and then that's just that's so much hip- hypocrisy. And, uh, yeah, just the thought of Urban coming to Lincoln, it seems impossible. But if you think he doesn't have an interest, he might because the girl that was grinding on him at the bar, her first name was Nebraska. So he's obviously, <laughs> he's obviously interested. In, and if you think I'm lying, I'm not. That woman's name, first name, was Nebraska. Look it up. It's true. So Urban Meyer may have an interest in Nebraska, just not the Husker football program. That's right. A different kind of Nebraska altogether. That's right. Well, uh, well, let's lay this to rest for today. If you got anything else to say, shoot me a tweet at Herbal Essences at HVarsity Radio. Leave us a comment in uh, the Hail Varsity YouTube page comment section. You can do all that, and maybe we'll we'll ask Brandon as a, as a final thought what he thinks of it. I, I think I know his answer, but this is ludicrous all around. It is. It's not real. Don't so, let's do it. Let's move on from that and let's get into North Dakota. Only uh, what? 44 hours, 46 hours. That was terrible math on my part. 46 hours from kickoff between Nebraska and the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota. And I think Husker fans everywhere can reasonably say this should be a win. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't give me that, Will. <laughs> it, sh- it should be a win. And I don't think there's any number Nebraska can win by that's going to appease Nebraska fans. I'm with you. If Nebraska goes out there and wins this game 74 to 7, now that might, people may be happy with that. No, some people are going to be like, wow, it's a great performance, but man, this North Dakota team must be real bad. There's right. going to always be that qualifier of, well, I don't think Nebraska is that good. This North Dakota team just must be absolutely trash this year. You're not going to be able to prove anything, just, no matter what that scoreline is on Saturday, you're not going to be able to prove anything. If you win 31 to 28, People are going to say, well, you got the win. You got a close win. That's big. This North Dakota team could surprise some people this year. Maybe they're better than we expect. No matter what that scoreline is, Nebraska fans aren't going to be appeased with the, the performance of the team. Just because there's always that qualifier. We don't know how good North Dakota is. Yeah, I'm with you. We, we really don't know much about North Dakota. I mean, they're not even in this Phil Steele football preview, which I'm still mad about. And uh, I've, I said this last week, going and looking for Northwestern beat reporters. Few and far between, hard to find. Uh, the same can yeah. be said for North Dakota. There's no one that's got a focus like their life is covering North Dakota uh, football. It's all hockey. It, they'll cover the hockey team, and then the, the, the football team is a little bit of a sideshow in the fall to get you geared up for hockey season. So, like, few and far between as well. There, there's not that much I can give you on North Dakota that's not easily Googleable or what the coaches are saying, <laughs> simply because there's not that much information out there. Yep. So... With all that in mind, the question of the day, and a question we're going to pose to Brandon Vogel here in about 10 minutes, is what can Nebraska do on Saturday that will give you signs of encouragement for the future? And I guess the, the, con- the converse of that is what, if they don't do on Saturday, is going to make you nervous moving forward, even despite there being a win. I mean, let's 
set a loss to the side because if a loss happens, I believe that's probably the end of Scott Frost at Nebraska, regardless of when the buyout drops. If you're losing to North Dakota, maybe he gets one more week against Georgia Southern, but that would pretty much spell the end of, of Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. So let's not look yes. at that right now. Let's look at what signs there are for the future of this season that Nebraska can show you on Saturday that will give you encouragement. And, and the first one that I look at is something that we've hit ad nauseum this week, that, that rushing attack on the offense. Is there a number, Will, that would appease you? Because I look at it and I go, if Nebraska is up as much as they should be against North Dakota, which I'm saying, with looking at the line, probably 20 to 28 points in the second half. If Nebraska is up that much, they're going to be turning the, uh, around and handing the ball off a decent amount. North Dakota is probably going to be ready for that. And, and the, the yards per carry might suffer. Or conversely, you might get 45 rushes in this game if Nebraska is up big and you're getting over 200 yards rushing, but it's not that impressive in yards per carry. So I don't think you can look at that. I do think you have to go with the eye test with this rushing attack. Yeah, if you're, if you're wondering if there's a number, I mean, to be honest, seeing Anthony Grant go for over 100 last season, or last game, I'm, I'm okay with that because, you know, that's not a bad stat line. Uh, but the uh, the other people who got the ball, it was pretty it was pretty rough. Uh, I think if we see more of the running backs, like, like uh, Ramir Johnson and... Um, um, Gabe Irvin, I think I think it could be a lot better. But we really only saw two guys last game. Well, that's what I'm saying with this rushing attack is it's it's about the eye test. Is yeah. there a guy who is seeing the hole well, hitting the hole hard, and getting himself a few yards after contact, falling forward, getting himself four to five yards per rush? Uh, that is whenever the game is is still in the balance. Uh, is the offensive line opening up holes and giving the running backs room to run? Or is it turning into that same scene we saw last week against Northwestern where it's a scrum inside, there's not much room to be had. And you, I mean, you look at the running back and you went, he ran hard, he, he found the best thing closest to a hole and he hit it. And even though he only got two, three yards, I don't think there's much else he can do. I'm looking for an offensive line that can open up holes and a running back that hits those holes hard, squares his shoulders to the line of scrimmage and gets himself four or five yards consistently. That should be bare minimum against a team like North, uh, North Dakota. And if that doesn't happen this, this game, then what are you thinking? Oh, I'm, I'm very discouraged for the future. If you can't do that against <laughs> North Dakota, you're not going to do it against Oklahoma. You're not going to do it against half the teams in the Big Ten, maybe over half the, the teams in the Big Ten. And there's going to be a lot that needs to be worked on between now and, and two weeks from now whenever Oklahoma's coming to town. Very, very discouraged if the offensive line and the running backs can't do that. But that is something I'm watching for. If they can do that, there is at least signs of encouragement for the future. We'll get to the defensive side of the ball and what signs of encouragement there are there in just a second. But let's head to the phone lines. we got Greg in Michigan on the line. Greg, thanks for calling Hale Varsity Raider today. What you got? Hi, guys. Uh, hey, I uh, gave myself a few days to try and cool down from last Saturday, but I'm not seeing anything with the offensive line that gives me hope or encouragement in the future. And I think this game is a no-win situation. They win 77. Oh, it's North Dakota. Yep. They win 10-7. to The pile-on continues. We will learn nothing Saturday because it's about how you line up against Big Ten opponents. And I'm really doubtful that they're going to line up and win anything in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the conference doesn't look terrible. It doesn't look great on our side, but I'm with you. After, but, after watching Northwestern, it's, it's, you know, it's a long season, but it's, uh, I'm with you, man. It's hard to pick, point stuff, pick stuff out that gives you motivation. But I will add to this, it's only been one game against Northwestern. For all we know, I don't think so. And a lot of people out there also are with me. I don't think Northwestern's going to be a team that's winning the Big Ten West this season, but we also don't know that. 
there could very well be just a lot of offseason development that happened with the Northwestern lines of scrimmage, and they could just run the ball down everyone's throat this season. So despite the fact that we think we know what Northwestern is and we think we know what Nebraska is this season, we really don't know. And we're not going to know well, until Oklahoma. Yep. I think uh, Purdue against Penn State will tell us a lot, too, yeah. tonight, um, because Nebraska, you know, struggled with Purdue. Uh, there's really nobody in the Big Ten on their schedule where you're going, wow, that's a W. Mm-hmm. Is that Indiana, maybe? I don't even see it with Indiana because of the game in Lincoln where Indiana throttled them and then talked crap afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember that. Greg, uh, we're up against a hard break here, so we got to get you out. But uh, thanks for the call today. You're welcome. Later. So Later. Greg in Michigan give us a call. I will say, though, just to, to refute him a little bit, there are at least signs of encouragement we can look at moving forward, uh, especially with the offensive line. I know that they didn't live up to the standard against Northwestern, but you are still learning and growing into this season, and you want to see that growth and development against a team like North Dakota, where that offensive line should be a very solid unit against North Dakota if it's not what's worrying. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Brandon Vogel's next. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now. Now, before it's too late. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into segment two of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Elijah Herbal, and Will Wilson. Taking you through the show today. We're hoping for a Schmitty sighting tomorrow. We'll see how he's feeling as uh, he is uh, a little under the weather, recovering right now. Probably still asleep. He hasn't gotten back to my text from a couple hours ago. So, Schmidt, if you're listening, give me a text. Let me know you're alive, at least. My kid. Uh, but uh, we are excited to get uh, Schmidt back in here soon. But we're also even more excited right now to welcome in managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, author of Dream Like a Champion. It's Brandon Vogel joining us here, as he usually does on Thursdays. And Vogues, it's uh, been a while since we last chatted. I think it was the Saturday pregame show when we last got you, and there's been a lot of change in the mood among Husker Nation since we last talked. So how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm excited for college football tonight. Mm. I've been thinking about that all day, you know, uh, plotting out which which <clears throat> which roadmap I'm going to take from which game to which. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You know, Last time we talked, everything was possible. Uh, the season could be anything you wanted it to be. And here we are, what, six, five days later. And, well, we've got a lot of unanswered questions and a lot more angst, I guess, than we had. The, the tone uh, has changed. Saturday. Yeah, the tone has changed, Brandon. But before we, we dive too deep into Nebraska, we got to look ahead to, to North Dakota, obviously. But lay out this roadmap for me because I'm going to get home from the show tonight. I'm going to make myself a big old pot of chili. It's going to be awesome. It's going to feel like fall again. And then I'm going to flip on college football. So I'm going to need your insight. I haven't, I haven't taken a look at my roadmap just yet, but I want to get your roadmap if you've thought that far ahead. Well, what are you looking at tonight? Well, I think at seven, you start with, uh, you got to go with the backyard brawl, West Virginia mm. Pitt. That's, that's the best game probably of the night. Um, but when that goes commercial, I'll flip over and see what Tennessee is doing. 
they're probably going to destroy Ball State. So want to see that Vols offense a little bit and see what we're dealing with with uh, with Tennessee. And then I think it, an hour later is Penn State Purdue. Depending on how Pitt Pitt West Virginia is going, that might be the main screen uh, for for most of the evening. And then I'm I'm hoping I haven't even checked. I assume it's Pac-12 Network, so I won't get it, but. I'd really love to end the night with the North Arizona, Arizona State nightcap, but I'm guessing that's not going to be in the cards. Are you sold on Purdue just yet being a, a team that's going to contend for the Big Ten West? No, I don't think I was ever sold on that uh, over the offseason and their departures didn't help. But I mean, the West is so wide open. You can't just throw them out. Mm. And they're not a team that I thought was deserving of kind of that much buzz right away. I mean, well, they're they're better off than than Nebraska, Illinois, and Northwestern, but they're kind of in that group. Uh, they're maybe an equivalent to Minnesota, I would say. You got Wisconsin and Iowa at the top, and then it's probably Minnesota, Purdue, and whichever of those bottom three jumps up. And well, Northwestern's got a one game lead on Nebraska at least, and Illinois looked pretty good against Wyoming. Brandon Vogel is with us here on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, and. Uh, Brandon, college football is going to be awesome tonight. I'm excited to see that that Penn State-Purdue game in particular. I think that should be fun. I think the line's at three and a half right now, so we'll see what happens there. Week one's so unpredictable, but let's dive into week two for Nebraska, the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota, 2.30 on Saturday. And Brandon, our topic back in the first segment, and Greg in Michigan kind of refuted what I had to say, but but the, the topic was what can this Nebraska team show you on Saturday to give you signs for encouragement? Because I said, really, the, the scoreline's not going to matter. If it's 70-7, to 7, Husker fans are going to say, okay, well, North Dakota's a bad team. That's expected. If it's close, you're going to say, well, Nebraska got a close win. Uh, at least they did it, and maybe this North Dakota team is going to surprise some people this season. So there's really not much that can be said outside of a loss. So, so what are you going to be watching for on Saturday in terms of signs of encouragement for the season moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's one of those tough games, and it's often the case with an FCS team, no matter how good the FCS team is. And, you know, North Dakota right now probably is top 30, 35 FCS team. They didn't make the preseason poll, but they were like Nebraska. They were right there in a lot of games against some really good teams uh, last season. So I expect them to be a pretty game opponent. Uh, <clears throat> had a lead or a chance to take a lead going into the fourth quarter of every game, which – if that's the case on Saturday, we'll certainly have uh, Memorial Stadium on pins and needles. But in terms of what you can look for from Nebraska against that scale of everything, no matter how good it looks, it's like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. I need to see, I think, better team defense overall. Um, more specifically, D-line play was was a weak point a year ago. And for as good as I think Nebraska's linebackers are and still can be this season, against an opponent like this, you'd want to see some of those guys just kind of dominating for stretches, I think. I think they have that talent level. Offensively, it's – and this has been the case for the last three seasons going in now to this fourth season. I didn't think it was the case in 2018, but the run game needs to show me something mm-hmm. because if you're not going to have the element of QB run as much as you had in the past, and the reason Nebraska had to lean on Adrian Martinez so much was because those QB runs were the ones that worked most reliably – you don't have that option, at least not to the degree that you had it with Adrian. Uh, so you got to be able to figure out how to hand the ball off and get some successful runs. There were a lot of one, two yard runs against Northwestern and kind of makes that passing performance look better. It fell off in the fourth quarter, but those are the two, the two big ones, I'd say. I would say front seven defensively. I thought the secondary played pretty good. 
And then the run game on offense will be the two key areas for me. We're talking to Brandon Vogel. You know, specifically, some players last game that you expected a lot from that maybe you didn't get. And so who, who are some individual players that you – I don't want you to really point anybody out in a bad way, but, you know, coming to this game on Saturday, who do you want to see more from specifically? Yeah, there, there are two that immediately jumped to mind on, on defense. You know, Nick Henrich, I think, had a, had a pretty tough game. I think he would tell you as, as much. And for a guy who'd been named a captain, and we just, we've seen a lot of good play out of him. Like, I was talking with, with Jacob Padilla, our, my Hale varsity colleague, and he said, you know, I think that might has a chance to be bottom for him. And, and I, I agree with that sentiment. Nick is somebody who's earned the benefit of the doubt as, as somebody who will bounce back. Uh, the other one is, you know, Ty Robinson was the only really returning experience, at least Nebraska experience at Nebraska that the Huskers had on that defensive front. And, you know, he just wasn't a, a huge factor up there. Nobody was on the defensive line. I mean, Northwestern really won that battle emphatically. But I think those two kind of come immediately to mind. Like I said, secondary played pretty well. And then offensively, you know, there wasn't a lot there. There was more kind of curious personnel decisions than anybody that I expected to see show up who, who didn't necessarily to the degree that I think they're capable of. Yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of that ire was directed, uh, well, at, at Ramir Johnson and his lack of usage within the Nebraska offense. And I look at that running back position as a whole. Did Anthony Grant show you enough against Northwestern to think that he is going to be the guy moving forward? Or is there still question marks at that position? Now, you look at the depth chart and there's a whole bunch of ors listed uh, at that running back position. So they would let you or they, the coaching staff would lead you to believe that there's not anything fleshed out there. But but do you think that Anthony Grant is that that RB1 type guy that Nebraska has been looking for? I think he's pretty close. I mean, he got 19 carries, which I'd have to go back and look the last time a single Nebraska running back had that many carries in a game. And it hasn't happened very often, but I think it really is a sign that things aren't totally settled back there. You know, Anthony Grant's 46 yard run was, was a really nice run, but then his other 18, you know, totaled 55 some yards, something like that. So I didn't think it was a particularly good game against Northwestern for the running backs in terms of seeing things. You know, we've talked the O-line struggle. I think we can all agree on that. But still, you know, running backs who see things maybe a little bit better uh, help out with that. And I don't know that anybody that Nebraska put in had those type of runs. So I I really do think it's unsettled. You know, we'll see when Gabe Irvin is, you know, back in the mix officially. And, And Ramir Johnson, for as much as we heard about him and his leadership ability, you know, whatever that role is while he's playing some slot, uh, figure you got to see him too. So I do think a lot of it's still unsettled. Anthony Grant's 19 carries, though, are pretty tough to ignore in a game that we all, you know, thought going in was basically a must win. We're talking to Brandon uh, Brandon Vogel. So Travis Vokalek, he's day-to-day. We mm-hmm. don't know what he'll look like on Saturday. And we all know that when he was out of the game, we looked totally different. Uh, are you confident that they can maybe spice up a game plan if he's not full go? On Saturday, well, and just to, just to add to that, Brandon, not to jump in here, but I, I really like that question. Well, is it almost even like a good thing if Vokalek isn't a full go on Saturday because you're, you're going to be able to get some of these backup tight ends some some experience, which look like they really needed on Saturday. Yeah, I I think they'll be able to you know with enough time, they're going to wait, and if he's truly day to day, he's day to day. But they've had basically all week to prepare as if you might not have him, and and what they did in the second half last week was 
Well, they went to more no tight end sets, but they also went to more two tight end sets. So a little bit bigger packages, which I think suits that kind of second second wave of tight end depth a little bit better. So that's what I expect them to do here. I think they can scheme in formation around Vokalek's absence. I mean, he made a handful of really great catches, and it was evident like what a big part of this offense he's going to be. So it's not to minimize that at all, but. I think they they go a little bit more four wide than than maybe they did and maybe they'd like to, but I think they'll be okay if he's not able to go. Brandon Vogel is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Brandon L Vogel. And Brandon, I, I could ask the question: Do you even want to touch the Urban Meyer story that that came out yesterday? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I got to back up. If I you would don't. be ve- <laughs> I would be very surprised if. Uh, he was on Trev Albert's list. Let's put it that way. Every AD is supposed to have a list at the ready, no matter how how well or how poorly things may be going at any any given moment. I'd be really surprised if they went that direction. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to argue with his results, but there's a lot that comes with it, and Nebraska would be, you know, a much different spot than his past couple of stops. Yep, you and I are on the same page there, Brennan. So last thought, about 60 seconds left. Your reaction to a potential vote coming uh, for college football playoff expansion, maybe as early as tomorrow to, to 12 teams. Your reaction? Yeah, I, I, I love 12 teams. Um, I, I'll be most interested to see where we end up on the automatic qualifiers piece of it i'm in the majority and or in the minority and i know this is never going to happen but i would love for every conference to get an automatic bid like i i understand that yes san jose state is going to be worse almost every time if they win the mountain west than the third or fourth best team in the sec and i think that's okay so i'd much mm-hmm. rather see something closer to the basketball tournament for football but even if that's if that's not in the cards, a 12-team playoff, that's going to be, you know, six pretty good games. And then I'm doing the math in my head, 10, 11, 11 pretty good games. So I'll, I'll take it. 12, I think, is the number. There's Brandon Vogel with us here on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, a managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, also author of Dream Like a Champion. Great book. Uh, you need to check it out if you haven't already. Also, find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Brandon, thank you for your time today. We'll get connected with you again on Saturday morning. And until then, uh, have a nice rest of your week and enjoy the college football tonight, all right? Yeah, sounds good, guys. Have a good one. There is Brandon Vogel. We will talk uh, some more what Nebraska can show you against Northwestern. Uh, that's the topic for after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Back in here, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency, Elijah Herbal, and Will Wilson taking you through this Thursday edition. And Will has informed me. I have been informed via text. I have been informed, uh, not via Twitter yet, but I have been informed. I know. At the end of the last segment, I said preview what's coming up for Nebraska against Northwestern on Saturday. It's a slip of the tongue, folks, okay? Both both have North in the name. Everyone makes mistakes. I'm not... I'm not Chris Schmidt. I'm not trying to be. Whoa. <laughs> you hope you better hope Schmidt's not listening. I he knows that. He knows I, I'm no Schmidt. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Schmidt's his own guy and uh well, I, I eagerly await his return to the show, but until then, uh, again, as I've told you before, Will Wilson, Elijah Herbal taking you through. Connect with the show on Twitter at HVarsityRadio. Send us a tweet. Uh, you can send Schmitty an email if you'd like uh, at Chris at HaleVarsity.com. You can send him an email. We won't get it on the show today, so I'm not 100% sure why you do that, but feel free. You can do that or give the show a call 402-466-3776 or... Also, 800-825-5865. You know how they say that, uh, you know, cameras, they sometimes add 10 pounds. Does that go for this webcam as well? I don't know. I I've, I do know for a fact that my mustache never got the, the glory it deserved via this webcam. It kind of blended in with the rest of my face, and you couldn't really see it all that well. Well, I can't really see your face through the glass very well. There's a glare. Like, you look like a ghost right now. We also got new lights in here. Have, have you, have oh, you that's noticed pr- that? That's probably it then. For uh, anyone listening on the this this or that's watching the stream after it's been posted, I, you, maybe you can tell it is a little brighter in here. Well, I look at this webcam and I'm just kind of getting a little self conscious. I may need to start uh, finding a gym membership or something because, uh, yeah, I it, I hope it adds ten pounds or else I'm going to be going to the gym. Well, let's dive back into this topic that we hit it back in uh, segment one, Will, about what Nebraska can show you on Saturday. We had Greg in Michigan chime in and say, well, nothing. Uh, we've also had Vic in Denver now chime in as well, uh, saying it, it's about right. Uh, he says there's not really anything this game Saturday is going to show us that gives us any insight. Think back to Fordham last year. It doesn't matter how good or bad. Uh, Northwestern ends up being our mistakes and inability to adjust lost that game. This is the fourth year we've seen this problem, and uh, you're really not going to see anything that's going to change your perspective on that until Nebraska is playing in a game that matters, playing a game that's close. But I'm going to go the other way a little bit here because if Nebraska found a consistent running game against Northwestern, the onside kick wouldn't have mattered. You're up by 11 points, and I think if you had more confidence in your run game, maybe you don't make the decision to, to make the onside kick, and that's revisionist history. I know you can't go back and say, well, this isn't going to happen if this happens, but that's what I truly believe. If you had a consistent running game that was giving you four or five yards a pop, I don't think you'd feel nervous about the end of that game uh, in running out the clock that you'd be forced into an onside kick to go add yourself more points because if you have a running game, that can run out the clock successfully where you know you can string together a six, seven minute long drive just by handing the ball off. You're not going to make the decision to make the onside kick. And I think that onside kick shows Frost's uh, confidence level in his running game being low. So uh, that's why the big thing to me on Saturday is going to be, can this running game find consistency uh, and can they find success against a Northwestern? I did it again. I did it again. Well, you that's, did it twice. That's a dollar in the swear jar. That's oh $2. My, oh my God. Okay. Uh, you know, reset, find my Zen. Yeah, reset, find your Zen. North Dakota. North Dakota. North Dakota. That's North who we're Dakota playing. is the team we're playing on Saturday. 
not Northwestern. I got it now. Not going to make the same mistake again. But North Dakota, if you, if you find a consistent running game, which you should against a defensive front that's going to give you some weird looks, uh, it's all about building that confidence for the offensive line because that wasn't an offensive line that had confidence and they made mental errors and you got to start cleaning those up. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, if we win this, you know, you're damn you do, you're damn if you don't. If you if you win by a lot, nobody's going to care. If you lose, obviously everyone's going to care. Uh, but I, I think this game, it, it matters a bunch. You know, we've seen how this team performs in non-con before, and we've lost a few. Uh, we know what the record is. It's, you know, we know what the record is the past, you know, 12 games. It's not good. So I think any win for this team is big. It's good, big for the confidence. And, uh, yeah, that's, I, I think this game matters. I, I'm with you. I mean, people saying this game doesn't matter, you're crazy. Have you not watched Nebraska football over the past four seasons? This exactly. game is anything but a guarantee. Right. Think back to how close that South Alabama game felt a couple years ago. Yep. That thing felt like you were on pins and needles until J.D. Spielman housed a punt return for a touchdown, and everyone kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And I think there was an Eric Lee pick six in that game as well where – it took some special plays to, to get you over the line against South Alabama. And let's not discount anything about this North Dakota team, despite their record last season, because this Nebraska team, there's more questions and answers on, on what you're going to get on Saturday. So it starts with putting up a, a good performance against North Dakota. Offensively, I think of the run game. Defensively, I think of that pass rush. If the game is going how you'd like it to, you'd think North Dakota is going to have to be forced into passing situations a lot more in the game. And the report on, on their quarterback up at North Dakota is he's a guy who is a playmaker and he likes to make things happen what that makes me think is that's a guy who's going to be holding the ball in the pocket and is going to give your pass rushers a chance to get home yeah and for as much of of the talk there was before the season about how good this uh this pass rush is going to be that that game last Saturday had to be a a blow to the confidence for the pass rushers definitely you never got home uh, I didn't think I saw Holinsky on his back once really he he didn't dude they're saying he didn't get touched that's what I'm saying that's got to be a blow to the confidence. So this game is all about getting that confidence up for Nebraska football, building some momentum before Oklahoma. And that's why I think there are things that they can show me in terms of getting that swagger back as you move towards Oklahoma. Let's get to the phone lines as uh, we've had Pete patiently hanging on the lines with us. Pete, uh, we got about two minutes left here this segment. You're on with Hale Varsity Radio. What do you got for us today? I guess for me, I'm looking more at the fundamentals. Mm. Last week, I seen our defensive line not use their hands near enough. They didn't keep the uh, offensive linemen off from them. So, therefore, they got sucked up and then got held on the inside, basically. Uh, so, they didn't perform very good because they didn't use their hands. Fundamentals, can we play man-to-man defense? Can the defensive backs play man-to-man? Can we have a game without errors? Uh, I'm just looking for improvement in fundamentals of football as far as blocking, tackling, and that end uh, of Good take, Pete, and thank you for the call today. I'm, I'm going to jump on the back of Pete here and, and 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 go off that comment as well and and talk about the the the, the juice that we saw against Northwestern the first two possessions that defense was juiced up and obviously throughout a, a full 60 minute football game you're not always going to have the same amount of juice um, but I, I want to see at least a consistent amount of juice against a team like North Dakota are you going to be able to rally to the football every single time because we saw missed tackles were an issue if you're rallying to the football the first guy can miss but if you got three guys within five yards somebody's going to have another shot to make that tackle so do we see guys having enough energy in, 
the juice is the word I use because it's what I think of. A team that's fired up to get out there and is going to be rallying to the ball. Everyone wants to make a tackle, and you're going to take something that, you know, after a missed tackle uh, could turn into 15, 20 yards. If you got guys rallying around the ball, uh, as we heard from Kaz earlier in the week, uh, that, that play isn't going to become 15, 20 yards. Instead, the missed tackle at five yards makes a, a gain of eight yards, which is a big, a big difference as compared to 20. So defensively, pass rush and, and juice, the fundamentals, uh, that, that's a part of that to me. So uh, I, I, good take from uh, Pete. I like that call. Well, yeah, and I hope, I hope you can find that. I mean, let's not forget, we are still coming back from Ireland. You know, by this point, you'd hope that they are recovered uh, besides Schmitty. We know he's not. Uh, but we hope that they are recovered and they can find that juice. But if they're not, then it could definitely be hard to find that juice that you're talking about, Elijah. One last call here before the end of this break. We got Chris on the line. Chris, you got about 30 seconds, right, bud? All right. That's all I need. Great. Well, they don't like to practice. That's the whole problem. They didn't practice in the spring. Two-hand touch for a spring game. What an embarrassment. Schmander says, oh, we can't tackle. Someone might get hurt yesterday. And they just don't have the mentality to win. It's just sad. And until they get out there and, and beat each other up and during the week, they're going to get their butts kicked down the weekend. They don't like to practice, and that's going to kill them. Thanks for the call, Chris. Uh, we'll have more Thanks. coming up after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One last time here in hour one, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. As uh, we're wrapping up here, we've got a fun second hour planned as uh, we're going to have Gary Barnett joining us after the break. As uh, Barney going to get his take from Nebraska Northwestern and, and what that that uh, message to the team and uh, what signs of encouragement there could be moving forward. That's uh, Barney coming your way at 5.05. Then at 5.25, we're going to have Jeremiah Searles joining us to talk all things offensive line. And if you know anything about me, former offensive lineman myself, uh, low level, small fish compared to a guy like Searles, but I, I love watching and following the offensive line. That's why uh, I hit it pretty hard back in segment one, how important this game is for offensive line, building some continuity uh, and uh, just finding some success in terms of building some momentum forward for the season for the offensive line. So we're going to talk with Searles at 525. If you are lucky enough to be listening to us via 590 in Omaha, uh, they are going to be cutting it to uh, Husker volleyball coverage at 5.30. So get a couple minutes with Searles, and then uh, they're going to cut to volleyball. And I, I know that Searles is going to be money today, as always. So if you're missing that, I do encourage you to check it out in full. ESPNLincoln.com is where you find individual uh, interviews from each day. And you can also listen to the podcast in full. Uh, so that uh, should be a fun second hour. And though we, uh, we wish you were checking out the full show, enjoy Husker volleyball coverage uh, up at 5.30 and 5.90. I never know what uh, these trends are on Twitter. Have you been on Twitter the past hour? A little bit. There's accounts just tweeting out one word. Yep, I've seen that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's weird. Yep. Um, I We just had a, a tweet a couple minutes ago from Hale Varsity, which uh, give them a follow, at Hale Varsity. Sure. Pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. Just tweeted, magazine. Mag- see, I, I'd love to know the origin of these things. I'm always late to the party. I don't know, but I'm getting the read that it's people like tweeting out what their their Twitter account is like representing. Maybe so. Oh. Maybe I'd tweet out jokes. That's what you would tweet out. Jokes. What you think you're a comedian? I think that's why people follow me on Twitter. I think you people follow you on Twitter is because you've had some good tweets. Yeah, funny mostly. Jokes. 
You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> Let's see you pull a stand-up uh, routine together. I then then I'll be impressed. I could, there's a great uh, channel out there on YouTube. It's called uh, Kill Tony, which what it is is it's uh, Tony, and I forget his last name, but he's a stand-up comedian. He's done these things monthly for a while now where he records the whole thing. Everyone comes into the audience prepared to do one minute of stand-up if their name is called. So what happens is everyone that's there uh, throws their name into a hat, and they draw uh, out names for the hat for the night. And if your name gets called, you go up and do one minute of stand-up in front of uh, Tony. What's his last name? I don't know why. I can't remember. But then he also brings on uh, special guests, Joe Rogan, uh, other big names in stand-up comedy. I, I think Bill Burr has been on with him before. Okay. And what happens is you do one minute of stand-up, and then they absolutely roast your one minute of stand-up and tell you how like bad it is. And there's been people who are good, and they say there's a lot you can work on here. But for the most part, it's people who are woefully prepared, getting up, trying to do a minute of stand-up. And it makes you realize just how hard it is to get up in front of people and just oh be God. funny off the cuff. Yeah. I mean, I know you and I, we love stand-up, uh, but it's a totally different story actually getting up and doing it. Yeah, some, some funny segments. They've been doing them for years, so you can go check out just how difficult it is to, to get up in front of people and try to be funny. It's hard to try to be funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we have used up all the time. I've had this segment. I had something else planned here, but, hey, I was going to talk college football playoff expansion. I guess we'll save it for next hour. Uh, but uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk with former coach Northwestern and Colorado. Gary Barnett will be with us leading off hour two. We'll also talk with Jeremiah Searles and maybe a Connor Clark sighting. We'll see. We'll see what's, uh, what's coming in hour two. It should be a fun second hour, though. That's coming your way after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio, where we are presented by Currency. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Rolling into hour two of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Elijah Herbal in for Chris Schmidt today. We're excited to welcome in former coach from Northwestern in Colorado, Gary Barnett, joining us here on uh, this Thursday edition. And Gary, I assume you watched the game last weekend and uh, Nebraska trying to bounce back. But before we get too far into the woods with, with Nebraska bouncing back, I want to get your thoughts on the game from Saturday's Nebraska's game to lose. And, well, they did just that as uh, Northwestern did a great job in the, in the fourth quarter. What, what were your thoughts on that game over the weekend as the eyes of the college football world were on Nebraska and Northwestern? Well, Elijah, uh, my 10-year-old grandson had a game, and so I went to his game that morning, and I got back to the house turned on the television I was taping it anyway and I turned on I mean the minute I turned it on it was the onside kick attempt (laughs) and I went oh my gosh I saw the score and I went oh god you know what I just immediately felt for Scott I mean I just I guess as a coach you you know you make about 10 or 12 decisions like that in a game and really, it just depends on luck as to whether they work out. You know, you go for it on fourth and one in your own territory, and uh, you know, if you blow one block, it doesn't work. But on paper, it should work, and all this sort of stuff. And so, I, I'm completely aware of how and why um, Scott made that decision. It's it's one of those things that your gut tells you to do, and. Um, you practice it. You want to do it. The kids want you to do it. 
and then uh, you make the call and it doesn't work. And so I was, I was feeling a great deal of empathy for him at that point in time. And then, of course, I finished the game, watching the game, and then I went back and watched the recorded version of the entire game. And um, it was almost like two different teams from the time that that kickoff, that failed onside kick occurred. Uh, And it really was, I think, uh, momentum shifting at that time. And so, and with Northwestern going down and scoring right away on on the short field, it was almost like, boom, game changes right here. Um, and then, you know, I, I, when I went back and watched the first half, I thought Nebraska executed really well. You know, I, I think Brock Hewitt did a good job of describing all of it. And then just as that game unfolded and, and you went back and watched the replay, all of a sudden the onside kick occurs and then, boom, the game changes. So uh, it was like watching two different teams in two different games. Northwestern, you know, obviously played it very smartly. Uh, I think Fitz and uh, I think Brock described it. He said, I don't think they can beat us. And he runs it 11 times in a row. But their offensive line did a great, great job against Nebraska. There wasn't much pressure by either team in that game. So you don't really know how quarterbacks would have handled that kind of pressure. But I thought it was really overall, I mean, if you take the uh, Northwestern out of me and take the Nebraska out of me, uh, you go, that was a great game to open, open college football with and a great game for the Irish fans to be able to to take part in. Plus, you get free beer. I mean, how can you beat that? <laughs> so, you know, I, mean, I think it was a great start to college football, but a really tough start for Nebraska. Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And yeah, Gary, after the onside kick, uh, you could almost see that that self-doubt creep in for Nebraska. And we talked with uh, Mike Babcock yesterday on the show, and, and he was just mentioning the fact that this team can talk all they want about the fact that they're going in there and, and expecting to win. And Coach Frost said that in the postgame presser, too, that uh, he didn't think there was anyone on that team who did not expect to win. But at the end of the day, you still saw that self-doubt creep in. So I, I want to get your take on, on just that within a team. And uh, if that's I know it's early in the season. It was game one, and uh, there's a lot of improvements to be made. You have two great chances coming up here in the next two weeks to do that. But how do you eliminate that self-doubt from a team, uh, aside from uh, going in and winning a one-score game, which Nebraska has just been unable to do? It's really difficult. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's like a little bit of a disease, and it's, it's hard to get rid of. The only way you get rid of it is to experience a change, and that's what Nebraska is going to have to do. They're going to have to finish in one of these games, and not one of the games against, uh, you know, probably their next two opponents. But they're going to have to finish at Oklahoma. They're going to have to finish a game, uh, you know, coming up before you ever rid yourself of that. Because your next two games are not games that, um, you, you know, you're probably going to have to finish. But you're going to have to finish against. Oklahoma, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue. And so that's the only way you get rid of it. 
Well, well, Coach, how, how much do you learn about your team in that, that week zero or week one performance? I mean, uh, we've talked with a, a lot of people that coming through camp, you, you have somewhat of an idea of what your team is, but you don't truly know uh, until you get out on the field week one and, and knock some of those kinks out. So, uh, I, I mean, I think there was a lot of learning to be done both among players and coaches within the team last week, but how, how much development can be done with these next two weeks? I mean, with the state Nebraska has been in, I don't think either of these games are guarantees against North Dakota and Georgia Southern, but you, you do go in and expect to win. How much can you actually knock these kinks out over the next two weeks before Oklahoma comes to town? Well, you, you can learn a lot. You learn a lot in the first game. You know, they learn about what they can do. You know, Casey Thompson under pressure, um, their defense, you know, doing a pretty solid job up to a point. So they, they learned a lot. And you're, you're busy going against yourselves. And when you go against yourself – Unless you uh, are, uh, you know, an elite team year in and year out, you're practicing against non-elite players uh, that aren't elite players yet. They may become elite players, but right now they're not. And so when you when uh, and Northwestern was in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going against teams that lost last year, you know, eight or nine games. And so you don't really know who you are until you go against somebody else. And I'm not sure either one of them know who they are yet because, you know, again, it was two, three, and nine teams playing each other. So, you know, on the outside, you look at it and you go, eh. But on the inside, you know, you know that they were better teams than that. At least Nebraska was a better team than a three and nine or whatever they were. And uh, Northwestern probably wasn't. So... I think you got to be a little guarded with what you take away from it. Uh, you use the next two games to gain confidence and work on some things and get better. And uh, both, you know, both games that Nebraska is going to play, they can gain a lot of confidence from. And even though they may be teams they're supposed to be, it doesn't make any difference. You still got to go beat them. And maybe one of these games will make them have to finish, and that would be probably the very best thing that could happen. Well, yeah, and with that early season momentum, I think it would be huge for Nebraska. It doesn't feel like that they have much momentum, that they go up there in pressers and say, yeah, we still have all of our goals ahead of us this season. Uh, but the air has been sucked out of the room around Husker Nation a little bit whenever you, you hop on Twitter and you read what the fans are saying. And is, is that momentum uh, a factor to watch here as you get through these next two games. I mean, o- Oklahoma seems to be the measuring stick because if uh, if Frost were to lose either of these next two games, you, you can see the writing on the wall. Uh, so you really need to go out and perform in these next two. Uh, and, and that's part of building momentum into Oklahoma. And then you're going to try to carry that through that Oklahoma game. But h- how huge is that that early season momentum in the grand scheme of what these guys talk about? All their goals are still ahead of them this season. And now is kind of the time to, to build into to some of those tougher games later in the schedule, uh, enable in order to, to, to do what you want this season, make a bowl game, make a push for the Big Ten West? Well, what happens is when you lose the number of games in a row that Nebraska's lost, you wonder if you're ever going to win another game. Mm. So the, the, the good part about this is Northwestern, for example, is off this week. Can you imagine if they lost, they have to put up with two weeks of losing because it – it, it clouds and it rains until you play again and win. And so Nebraska at least can come back immediately, get back to work, uh, put earplugs in and not listen to the noise, and go out and get a W. And that that cleanses your soul a little bit. And, and at least 
they've got that opportunity to turn around and play right away. Where had Northwestern lost, they'd have to live with that for two weeks, and that's really hard. So it's a blessing to have a game coming up this quickly, and it's it, you know who cares who it's against? You get to go play again, and I think that's the approach they take. I think the the mindset around the fans is there's not really much Nebraska can do aside from a loss in this game that would change the the, the narrative around this team so far. It's kind of going to come down to that Oklahoma game, and I don't want to look too far ahead. So, uh, I mean, North Dakota and Georgia Southern are the two teams that are ahead of you next, and I think that's the team's mentality. But is there any difference between what the fans are feeling and what, what a team is feeling when you look at a team like North Dakota on the schedule? I mean, you got to go out and get a win, but is there anything you can do to, to change the narrative, even within your own team, within a coaching staff, about what a team is against a team like North Dakota? No, you know what you know your situation, and you know what you've got to do, and you know you've got to shut out the noise, and you know how everybody's thinking. You can't dwell on it. You just can't because that opens up, you know, that opens up that self doubt even more, and uh, it's hard, but. And that's where veteran leadership is really critical. Uh, new young leadership doesn't know how to handle that yet, but veterans do. And um, so it's anytime you have a first game like you guys just experience, whoever loses, I'm telling you, your fan base just goes, oh, this is the way it's going to be, or how, how can we lose that game? And that's hard to overcome. The only thing it overcomes is, Win, 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 and that's what Nebraska is going to try to do. Gary Burnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, last thought here to wrap uh, a report from Dennis Dodd out uh, last night that a vote to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams could be coming as early as Friday. This is after it had been tabled much of the offseason. Sounds like that vote is coming shortly and uh, could be in play as soon as the 2023 college football season. What, what is your reaction to what a 12-team playoff would mean for college football? Well, my reaction is they're doing it in reaction to all the uh, uh, skepticism and nervousness that's out there by all the uh, group of five teams and uh, the the three other big five conferences uh, that aren't named SEC or Big Ten. And I think it's a way to um, sort of calm down how nervous everybody is about that. So I think giving the time, I think it's a good idea. You know, I was never in favor of the big – of, of a 12-team playoff, but, you know, it doesn't make any difference what I'm in favor of. I think that uh, they're probably doing the right thing considering uh, the noise, the environment uh, that's out there right now. Well, yeah, I'm kind of with you. The writing's on the wall. This is what it feels like a, a lot of people want to move to a 12-team playoff, and I think it's because you, you've seen the issues with the four-team playoff, and I, I'm not sure there is a right answer for how many teams uh, need to be in this playoff at the end of the season, but are, are you buying into the narrative that uh, a 12-team playoff you know, dilutes what the, the college football regular season is? I don't know that we know that yet. Mm-hmm. I think that's stuff that we're projecting uh, we're, we're thinking it's unintended con- consequences of this sort of thing. I don't think we know. Um, and, you know, it, it comes down to college football fans. College football fans like college football, and they're going to go to games. So we'll have to see. I, I have more trust in the, uh, in the average college football fan in, in each community than to think that it would diminish what's going on. 
Gary, I know you're a college football fan. I know I know. I said last thought probably two minutes ago, but got to get your take. This is the last one I actually promise here. Any big plans for, for week one of college football? You're going to be smoking up the ribs, sitting in front of TV all day? Uh, what's your plan to, to watch a big day of games on Saturday? And I know that the games quality-wise aren't what you'd hope for. Those are coming later in the season, but you do have a great game coming Saturday night with Ohio State and Notre Dame. No, I think there's some great games on Saturday. I love Utah, Florida. Okay. You know, I love Cincinnati, Arkansas. Uh, I'm really interested in CSU, Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some really quality game. Purdue, Penn State uh, tomorrow night. I think that's a huge game. Uh, Boise and Oregon State coming up. Florida State, LSU over the weekend. I'm, I got everything recorded that's possible. I'm sure my recorder is going to break. Well, any any plans like ribs, ribs in the smoker? No, 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 no. I'm I'm just going to sit back and relax and watch games. Well, that'll be good. Gary Barnett with us here on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, appreciate your time here with us today and enjoy the weekend of college football. I know you're probably just as excited as I am to be sitting on my couch for 14 hours on Saturday and just taking in all the action. <laughs> I am. So thanks again, Elijah. It's Gary Barnett joining us. On a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, we are presented by Currency. We're uh, rolling through hour two here. It's Elijah Herbal sitting solo in the studio. Not quite sure where Will went. If you're uh, checking us out on the stream posted up after the show, you can see it's, it's an empty chair sitting across from me. But uh, still a fun show uh, planned the rest of the way for you. If you're listening up on 590 in Omaha, a reminder that about 10 minutes from now, you're going to be hearing Husker Volleyball for our listeners everywhere else. That is here in the capital city of Lincoln, Columbus, Hastings, Kearney, and Grand Island. If you're in any of those places, we're going to continue rolling through the show here as uh, we're going to have Jeremiah Searles coming your way after the break quick reminder check the show out in podcast form apple podcasts google podcasts spotify the hail varsity youtube page is a great way to check it out and let's say you're somebody sitting up in omaha and you want to check out this searles interview which searles always bring the brings the goods and uh, we're going to talk a whole bunch of offensive line play here next segment if you're one of those people and you're thinking you know what i want to check that out it will be posted up uh, in its entirety the interview just that interview on the espn lincoln uh, Twitter page, Facebook page, or ESPNLincoln.com. So you don't have to skip forward in the podcast or anything to go find Searles. You can just go listen to that interview in that interview only. Again, ESPNLincoln.com is where you check that out. Again, talking with Jeremiah Searles coming up after the break. It's Hail Varsity Radio. We are presented by Currency. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! 
Back in, it's Hail Varsity Radio on a Thursday presented by Currency. Excited to welcome in former Husker offensive lineman, former Viking, former Bill, former Charger. It's Jeremiah Searles joining us here today. And Searles, I got some bad news and I got some good news. I'll start it off with the bad news. The, the bad news is you're stuck with the B team today. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Schmitty. But the good news is there is nothing the B team would rather do for the next uh, 10 or so minutes than talk offensive line play. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, my man. You know, today marks my favorite part of the year. September 1 is now officially hunting season. So I can now hunt from basically now until February, and it is a glorious day. Uh, you, you, you're, a, you're a deer guy yourself, right? That's not starting up just yet, has it? Uh, archery season started today. Okay. Dove season started today. Teal starts on Saturday. So it's a big week. It's a big week in the Searles household. Uh, you, you're hunting for any fighting hawks? No, not at the moment. <laughs> not at the moment. But, I mean, I guess i got to watch out for those wildcats. They can sneak up on you. <laughs> Jeremiah Searles with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And, Searles, let's dive right into the, the, the offensive line play. I'm sure you have some takes on uh, what went down on Saturday. And I just want to start off with, with your general consensus because I, I saw different opinions going out about there, whether the offensive line play last Saturday was better or worse than what we saw last year. And, they did a better job keeping the defensive line off Casey Thompson, I think, when he was dropping back. But part of that could be the scheme of the offense as well. And there weren't that many running lanes to, to be had on Saturday afternoon either. So I just want to get your general take on the performance of the offensive line on Saturday as compared to what we saw last season. Yeah, you know, I think it's different. You know, I think this, this quick passing offense is very different than what the offense pass, passing offense was last year. You know, last year was a lot of play action five-step or play action even uh, three-step. But, you know, it wasn't the quick passing game that we saw on Saturday. You know, we saw a lot of ball out of his hand early. He was delivering the ball on time to shoot. He had, I think, four different receivers just in that very first that very first drive. So, you know, I think the pass protection was better. I'll be curious to see, you know, at the end there in the two-minute drill, the pass protection did break down a little bit when it was more obvious passing situation. But the thing that really disheartened me is, you know, all spring ball, all fall camp, all we heard was how the offensive line was running off the football and they were coming after people and there was lanes happening in the run game. And then it seemed like none of that. I mean, 110 yards rushing is not going to cut it in this league. It's just not. You know, it's not something that you're going to be able to win a bunch of football games with when you're only going to rush a little 100 yards. And no, not that I'm taking credit away from Northwestern, but I don't think that's one of the top defenses in the Big Ten. You know, and we could not generate push. We could not generate leverage to open up some run games. So that was really disheartening to see. And it's something that we really have to get fixed. I don't necessarily know if it was a scheme issue. I think it was more along the lines of just a physicality issue and them just beating us off the ball. Well, yeah, you, you combine the fact that just over 100 yards rushing and almost 40 of them came on Anthony Grant's touchdown run. That The running game was just... Uh, let's say inconsistent at best. And one thing my amateur eyes noticed, Searles, and I want to get uh, your expert opinion on this, was the, that Northwestern, whenever you looked at their offensive line, their double teams were generating a lot of movement off the line of scrimmage, and they did a really good job getting up to second level. And, I, I mean, I can't even count how many times you saw a running back one-on-one -on -one with a safety eight yards past the line of scrimmage from Northwestern. And there was less of that with, with Nebraska, where less movement on the double teams felt like there was always a linebacker free to make a play. And for the most part, 
it was just a scrum inside uh, with Northwestern's defensive front. So I, I want to get your take on what you saw. I saw some people on Twitter saying uh, the, the offensive line, their, their hats were too high. I, I personally look at, at some ineffective double teams. Where do you think that the fault lies uh, with the uh, lack of a, of a push from the offensive line last Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think the reason that Northwestern had so much success running the football, we'll start with them, is because they were committed to it. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they started in the first quarter and they did not waver from it. And when you just consistently run the football, it is just body blows, body blows, body blows to those D-linemen, those linebackers, to where you really saw in the fourth quarter things started to pop, right? Versus when you start a game as a quick passing offense, you don't take those body blows to those defense. So they're a little bit more stout in there in the run game, and they're a little bit more when it comes to the end of the third, fourth quarter. They're not as beat up as maybe someone that commits to running the football. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's just the nature of what playing offense and defensive line is. You know, on our offensive side, you know, I think that you're, you're right. There were some double teams. When you double team a guy, you have to displace that person in order to make the play run. You know, you saw Peter Skaronsky. He's one of the best tackles in the NCAA. And he was able to get in there. Him and Josh Freeby were moving guys off the wall and pushing mean guys. And then you see our double teams were pushing against each other a little bit. We're not fit up great. You know, I just don't think that our fits are great in the run game. Our hat placement was also not great. You know, if we're going to reach a guy, we make sure we get our hat placement outside, get your hand to his inside sternum. You know, just simple things that, for me, are simple because I did them all the time. But you watch them on tape, and it's concerning when you don't see those things done right. And, you know, that's something that I heard that we had worked on a lot. So, I'd like to see that be implemented more on game tape. Now we have to remember veteran offensive <clears throat> line from Northwestern, not so veteran offensive line from Nebraska. Those guys have been doing it for a long time against big time opponents. We really only had one guy, Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart were the only two guys that have played big 10 ball on our offensive line for a consistent amount of snaps. Yeah. And, and Charles, when you mention these issues, especially with a, an inexperienced offensive line, what, what kind of fix is this? Is this something where you can get a lot of this cleaned up by the time North Dakota comes to town and that, that's more of a test run? Or is this something you think could be an issue uh, weeks and weeks into the season? I mean, it's, it, it'll be an issue if you don't get it cleaned up. You know, it's one of those things that if I'm Coach Rayola, I had a very hard meeting on whenever we got back from Ireland that I was very critical about our performance and because the details matter in the offensive line position. You have to be so tuned into the details, your, your foot placement, your footwork, your hat, your hands, your pad level, all of it matters so much. And, you know, I just saw a little bit of lack of detail in some of those things. So you can absolutely crisp up your details because I'm sure that Coach Rail is teaching all the things that we're talking about. It's a matter of implementing it from practice into when the real bullets are flying that you don't melt and crumble and fall back on old habits. You know, and sometimes that happens with young players versus older players is that the older players are able to just continue because they have that experience where the younger players just kind of start to panic a little bit and just revert back to what they're used to playing in game atmospheres, whatever it was in high school or whatever. So you have to just work through that. Um, that comes with experience. That comes with just getting game reps under your belt. But, you know, I think that it's something that you can absolutely get cleaned up, and I really look to see that it's getting cleaned up against teams like North Dakota, Georgia Southern, so that when you come you can fine-tune a little bit and then get rolling for Oklahoma. And, Charles, let's take a look at North Dakota here really fast. I personally did not watch many North Dakota football games last season, but the scouting report on their defensive front is uh, they're going to be playing an odd front, three hands in the dirt, maybe a stand-up defensive end as well. They like to come with multiple defenses, and uh, they like to stunt and twist and cause your offensive line some issues. What kind of problems do you foresee that causing this this Husker offensive line? Just how weird and how much movement this North Dakota team is going to probably try to bring with their defense. Line. Yeah, you know, whenever you feel like you're playing a, a more 
higher ranked opponent, right? So an FCS school to a BCS school, for example, you know, the thing that they're going to do is they're going to stunt and they're going to twist, they're going to slant, and that's very much a feast or famine type defense, right? Because when you're stunting and you're twisting and you're, you're switching gaps, right, every defense is gap integrity, A, B, C, D, E, whatever it might be. When you're slanting and twisting and turning, all it takes is one time someone to miss a gap, and that's where you're talking about home run, home run, big run. But at the same time, it's very easy for an offensive lineman to miss a stunt or miss a twist, and now you're talking about a negative play where they're going to tackle for a loss or a sack. So they're going to live in this feast or famine mode because they know, as well as we know, they just line up in their base defense and say, our guys versus your guys, our depth will eventually take over. Right? Our size will eventually take over on their depth. They just don't have enough guys on their roster that are big enough to play at this level. Right? They probably have their starters and then a pretty big drop-off behind that. So I do expect them to move a lot. We have to be very disciplined with our eyes, very disciplined with our feet, and very disciplined with our assignments to make sure that when we see certain looks that they have tendencies to, we can hit that in the face, and that's where you develop explosive runs and explosive uh, plays, and that's how you get ahead on this team, and then they really have no chance. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, I might be putting you on the spot just a little bit here, but one of the, the positives, if you can call it that, from the Northwestern game last weekend, at least moving forward, is I didn't really see Northwestern put any exotic blitzes or, or movement up front on tape as being something this Husker offensive line struggles with. And I want to pose that same question to you. Did you see anything that Northwestern was doing up front last week that you think teams like uh, North Dakota and Georgia Southern might be trying to exploit moving forward? No, you know, I don't think they did. I think I think Northwestern came out and played very base defense because that's what they do. Um, you know, Northwestern's never been one of the exotic teams that's going to dial up uh, crazy pressures or line up in funky fronts. You know, they're a very disciplined, believe-in-their-system type of defense. And so um, I don't think there's anything that jumped off tape of me that was like, oh, wow, we're going to see that again. Um, you know, but I do think that they're just going to test us up front with this movement because that's how you beat a young offensive line. You know, just test them with movement and make sure all five guys are on the same page because all it takes is one guy not to be, and you're looking at that negative play we talked about. Jeremiah Searles with us here. And, and Searles, last thought here before we get you out, uh, is there anything you're going to be watching for on Saturday in terms of uh, signs of progress from this offensive line? Not necessarily stats. It could be eye test things as well. But just what are you going to be watching for from the offensive line on Saturday to see, yeah, they've, they've learned some lessons from that game against Northwestern and they're applying them to future opponents. You know, I think the biggest thing is that I need to see the line of scrimmage get established on their side of the football. You know, too many times it was stalemate or our line of scrimmage getting established on our side of the ball. It needs to be a new line of scrimmage established on the defensive side of the football every single run play. You know, that's something that an attitude that needs to be instilled as an offensive lineman. And then I'm going to flip gears on you real quick. I need to see Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson and Oshawn Mathis get at the quarterback. Mm. I have to see that this week. And we could spend a whole other 20 minutes talking about that. But that is something that has to get done this week for me to feel confident that we're going to be able to win six-plus games this year. And so I guess I will flip it around to the defensive line just real fast before we get you out. And that that defensive line, you had uh, Eric Chenander say yesterday that it was a case of a Northwestern being in good down in distance where they didn't need to throw the ball and, and you couldn't really pin your ears back. But then whenever it was passing downs, they did a good job chipping those defensive ends and limiting the pass rush. Is, is that a cause for concern moving forward? Or is that something where, you know, just a, a game by game basis, they, they couldn't get it done last week, but there's still signs of, of encouragement for future games. Well, it's all complimentary, right, Elijah? I mean, if they're in good down a distance, it's because they did well on first and second down, and so now they ran the ball well, so now it's third and three instead of third and eight. 
right? So if we allow every team to do good on first and second down, then no, our pass rushers are going to have very minimal effect on third down. So it's all complementary, right? You have to be able to establish, uh, uh, put them in behind-the-stick situations in second and 10s and second and 11s, and then force them into the third and longs. But if you can't get to the quarterback when it's first down, even when they threw the ball someone first down, you know, we just never affected his rhythm. We never affected his feet. So some of those guys just need to go out there and win. And whether you're getting chipped or not, just win your one-on-one matchups and get after the quarterback, and everything will be better in life. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, appreciate your time today. Once you finally get that, that first deer of the season, what's the first meal you're going to be making? Oh, backstraps. You know, I'm going to take the backstraps directly off of the deer, slice them into medallions, throw them on the grill, little potatoes, little salt, little pepper. Mm, can't wait. Searles, that, that sounds incredible. Uh, we appreciate your time here today, and, and happy hunting, brother, all right? Sounds good. Appreciate it. Go Big Red. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio down to our final two segments here on a thursday edition of hail varsity radio we are presented by currency as uh, we're uh, excited to welcome in now connor clark i told you will wilson was off to a, a mystery location Turns out it was out of the building. So, he texted me he's got a fantasy football <laughs> draft to prepare for. So, caught me by surprise just a little bit. But Connor Clark, gracious enough to join us here to uh, finish out this show. And not quite sure where Connor's at. It's, it's a mystery location. But I do know there is a Chicago flag behind him as uh, Connor Clark. The other pride of Chicago right behind Danny Burke uh, is uh, with us here. And, and Connor, how was class today? It's, it's a pleasure to have you in here. Oh, class was good. It was lengthy. I'm currently from my apartment, so we're we're running on three different locations for three straight episodes, so maybe this could be a thing where I'm just in a different place every single time I'm on the show that I, I'm not needed in studio. So, I don't know. I, I think this is a, a nice little streak we got going on here. Been trying to find some, some ways to get some interaction from those of you listening at home. Maybe we can have a, a guess that location from Connor every single day of, of where he's joining us. But it looks like it's uh, your, your cushy apartment in uh, downtown Lincoln. So, excited to have Connor in here. And, Connor, my, my original plan today, whenever I, I woke up this morning, was... To, to use this segment to go through some of the things that Scott Frost said at his media availability today. And, and to be honest with you, if, if you checked in, good for you. Listen to the, the five minutes of that. But not much was said at all by Coach Frost today. I mean, he went back to that, that classic pregame presser that we heard last season so much, which was minimize your answers, nothing more than 15 seconds. Uh, he was asked the status of a couple players, and all of them were day-to-day, day, day they're getting closer. Uh, so we heard from Travis Vokalek, day-to-day, getting closer. Omar Manning, day-to-day, getting closer. Not much insight from Coach Frost today. Uh, but he did say the, the team 
seems excited to be playing in front of the home field and uh, to be getting some home field advantage back today. And he also thinks that the team still has some confidence moving forward. And uh, that's about all you need to know from the presser today. So not much uh, worth playing here on the show from Coach Frost Presser. That's why we went into a, a long topic first hour of what do you want to see from this team on Saturday to give you confidence or uh, excitement moving forward in the season. And Connor, before we move to some college football playoff expansion questions, I do want to pose that same question to you. For Searles, it was... Uh, an offensive line that can get some movement up front and uh, and get that Georgia oh man swear jar again wrong opponent on Saturday North Dakota get that North Dakota front seven uh, moving into the defensive backfield and uh, I, I kind of echoed that finding a consistent running game is what I'm looking for on Saturday what what say Connor Clark in terms of uh, what is going to give you some confidence moving forward with this Husker football team yeah I would agree with you I think a consistent run game would be extremely important to establish on Saturday. And I think that's something that if they do do that, they can carry that forward. It's something you better do on Saturday, right? (laughs) Well, right. (laughs) But if they can do that and then establish confidence in the run game, not have Anthony Grant rush for literally 90% of the yards that they account for as a team, that will give them confidence going into the next game. And then the next game, if they can continue to do so, So I think if the O-line can get some push in the run game, especially, I think that would go a long way. Their pass blocking last week wasn't really a huge concern. Um, So, yeah, if they can get consistent running game with the offensive line and with a rotation of running backs, I think that could go a long way. Let's get guys flowing to the ball as well defensively. That's what I brought up back in hour one. I think that's going to be huge is you don't want one guy making the tackle. You want five, six guys in on just about every single tackle in uh, North Dakota. Nothing to, to sneeze at, uh, but this should be a victory for the Huskers, and it comes down to building confidence and doing the things that you want to do moving forward in this season. I think that starts with running the football. So uh, we'll have more thoughts on the North Dakota game coming your way tomorrow as sounds like Schmidt is going to be joining us. I'll have Connor Clark in studio. I, Elijah Herbal, will be down at the Single Barrel in downtown Lincoln. It's where we're going to be for home football Fridays moving forward this fall. Uh, come and check us out down there. Get yourself a steak. Get yourself a beer. I, I can vouch for the steaks. They're amazing. Burgers are awesome as well. So come visit us at the Single Barrel in downtown Lincoln underneath the Graduate Hotel. Uh, Let's finish this segment out, though, Connor, by talking college football playoff expansion. This is is from Dennis Dodd, and it's a a topic that we kind of thought was dead earlier in this offseason, that college football playoff uh, expansion was going to be put on the back burner. And now uh, kind of late breaking news out of nowhere last night was that there may be a vote as early as Friday from the board of governors on expanding the college football playoff from four teams to 12. And uh, we don't know what the logistics of that exactly are going to look like. But I, for one, uh, think that while the, the, the 12 team system probably is not going to be perfect I think it is a big step up from a four-team playoff which we've all seen the issues in terms of reducing parity in college football over the past couple seasons and I think a 12-team playoff will really help that parity issue Uh, the question is will it 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 dole down what the, the regular season means to college football I think the regular season of college football is the most dramatic in all of, of major sports in the United States because of that factor that one loss can completely derail your season and it's not like that in any other pro- professional sports or really even college sports so that, that's what makes uh, the regular season really exciting I hope that factor doesn't get taken away by a 12-team playoff but other than that I think there's excitement about what a 12-team college football playoff could bring to college football yeah it is exciting and I think as you pointed out that we've all seen the issues with the four-team playoff and how detrimental one loss can be to a team. And 
obviously no playoff system is going to be perfect, but it seems like 12 is kind of that number that is the general consensus of what everybody wants. If they do want to expand eight has been thrown around there. 16 has been thrown around. I think 16 is too much. Um, eight, you'd have to kind of figure some things out as well. But I think that 12 team playoff look could be really interesting. Now, if, you're a college football purist and you like the old school approach, then what do you do with other bowl games? Do you integrate them into the playoff? Like we've seen before with the Rose bowl, et cetera. Uh, but it, it seems like the 12 team uh, playoff is, is definitely the general consensus. I would be okay with that. I think it would be exciting and definitely would throw a, a wrench into things, but uh, come late November, I think college football can be even more and more exciting and you'll have, true conference champions in there with power five conferences. Now, obviously that will change here in a couple of years, but it'll give a lot more teams a bigger chance to make it a la a Cincinnati, a UCF or whatever teams that are either just barely in or just barely on the outside looking in on a normal year. And we don't know all that much about what this 12-team expansion will look like, but it does sound like if the expansion is improved as early as next season, uh, that ESPN would hold the rights uh, to all 12 of the uh, potential games that would be occurring in a 12-team playoff. Uh, We don't know anything about sites, anything like that, and maybe we'll get some more insight here in the next couple of days if this does, in fact, get approved. But two things I would like to see. One, I want to see the first round of games feature teams getting home field advantage. If you have become one of those top six teams please let them play that game at home let the fans experience the excitement of a college football playoff at a home venue weather starts to play a factor which makes things a lot of fun and then you also just get the the aspect of a a home crowd cheering a team on I think that would make things a lot of fun and would give you a reason to want to be one of those top six teams instead of uh, potentially a Cinderella and then additionally uh, this is an idea from Kirk Herbstreit a couple weeks ago make the national championship game in the Rose Bowl every single season there's no venue like the Rose Bowl and all of college football in terms of the, the, the kind of magnitude it has, it has had on the game, I should say, uh, with just the history surrounding the Rose Bowl. And it really is the face of college football, the Rose Bowl. When you think college football, uh, especially to a neutral and even to me, I think Rose Bowl. I, I think that that awesome Rose Parade and just what that stadium looks like uh, by the time the game finally rolls around. That's what I think of it. It's that classic Americana feel. And I'd love to see uh, the national title game played at the Rose Bowl every single season. And I'm not making decisions, but if I was, that is what I would do. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. We'll wrap up a Thursday edition after the break. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark taking you through this final segment of Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. And to finish out the show today... It's maybe a premature look at the Friday forecast. I don't want to call it the Thursday forecast because that's just lame. Uh, I haven't thought of a good name for it, though. But we we didn't get any uh, betting expert predictions from Danny Burke. So Connor Clark and Elijah Herbo will be your betting experts for the night. And we have a couple of games getting going here in just about five minutes. Uh, so... Lock those bets in if you haven't already, folks. Uh, you're running short on time. we got three games getting going here at 6. And, Connor, let's start it off 
with uh, what could be the game of the night, the backyard brawl, Pitt taking on West Virginia. And we know all the change from Pitt this offseason. Pat Narduzzi clearly wants more running the football. A new quarterback in Keaton Slovis as well taking the reins. And uh, this has been a late-moving line. Uh, I think as early as last night, it was 6.5 Pitt was favored by. And now as the day has gone on, it's moved towards Pitt. 7.5 points. Pitt is the favorite. We got a total set at 50.5. Connor, what do you like between Pitt and West Virginia? I'm going to go Pitt here. I mean, I don't know a whole bunch about either team. Obviously, the Whipple departure and everything is Husker-related. So we've been all over that. Uh, but I think Pitt wins this game. I know that West Virginia has Georgia's old quarterback, whose name is escaping me for whatever reason. Um, but I think it'll be a good game, um, I mean, an ACC matchup. But Pitt's got the home field advantage, seven and a half point favorites. Um, I don't know about covering. I'm not going to go that far into it, but I'll, I'll pick the Panthers. Uh, I like the Panthers as well, and covering makes me a little bit scared, especially with the late-moving line. We hit this last week. Usually whenever a line right. moves late like this, that team does, in fact, tend to cover. At least the original line, 6.5, and, and it's moved a point to 7.5. So with that in mind, I think my, my pick this morning would have been West Virginia, but Vegas tends to know a lot more than me at most times. So uh, with that in mind, I have amended my pick, and I'm going to go with Pitt as well. And if you got to give me a, a score to go with, I'm going to go – Pitt 28 and West Virginia 20, so a slim cover for the Panthers, but I think they get it done. Uh, we're a little short on time here, so I'm going to ignore the, the terrible games of Tennessee against Ball State, where Tennessee is a 37-point favorite. Oklahoma State and Central Michigan, where Oklahoma State is a 21-point favorite. And let's get to the other really close game of the night, Penn State against Purdue. Penn State is a 3.5-point favorite on the road in West Lafayette, so they are the road favorite Pitt, or excuse me, Purdue, a home underdog. And this is a tough one to call. The total is set at 53.5. And, a half. and I'll, I'll start here, Connor. I'm going to go with Penn State. I'm not completely sold on this Purdue team, especially whenever you have a, an attack that may be air raid esque uh, with Purdue. I have no idea who they even have at running back. You got to assume they're going to be airing the ball out tonight. And sometimes it, it takes a little bit of time to get the Kinks aired out uh, in a. Uh, air attack offense. So I think I'm going to go with Penn State, and I think they're going to do it the Big Ten way, physical, running the football. So probably an under for me, and I'm going to take uh, Penn State to win this game 31-17 to over Purdue. What do you have, Connor? You know what? Give me the Boilermakers here tonight. I like them at home. I think they're always a dangerous team at ross Aid Stadium, especially in the past handful of years. Uh, so I'm going to take the Boilermakers, and they will definitely cover that three-and-a-half point spread, but I wouldn't mind seeing them win. Uh, so that'll be a fun game at Ross Aid Stadium tonight. I'm with you. Regardless, it's going to be fun. That's what I will be watching tonight. And uh, we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more tomorrow. As hopefully, Chris Schmidt's going to be joining us on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. I'll be at the Single Barrel. That's whenever we'll talk to you again. Again, 4 to 6 tomorrow night, Hale Varsity. We are presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.